Tonight we are going to look at let the sun shine in your spirit, mind, and body. Matthew 5.16 tells us, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So what light is being, talking, is being spoken of here? Um, it's not like an aura. I had a couple years ago, I had this gal come up to me and says, you have an aura about you. And I'm going, I'm not sure I know what you're talking about. I guess it could be Jesus, but, <laughs> but we're talking about that, that hope, that peace that radiates from the believer because you have something that the rest of the world does not have. And that light is ours because we are children of God. But how does this happen? How do I shine my light? So this evening we're going to explore how this happens and even look at some ways that we can hinder that light from shining in our lives. But before we get into God's word, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we can come together. We're excited. We get to come back without masks. I love looking at faces. And uh, we're just thankful, Lord, for all your many blessings that you have given us. And so we ask that we have a special touch from you tonight, that we'll be able to see and hear exactly what you want us to see and hear about our own lives and how we can let our light shine before others. And so we love you, Lord. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. As humans created by God, we are created in his image, aren't we? So as such, we have a body, a mind, and a soul. And a spirit. Excuse me. And the body is simply the easiest part to understand because it's the part that we see, right? Everything is, that's physical is our body. That's our skin, our bones, our muscles, our smell, our taste, blood, hair, you know, all those things make up our body. This is the part that decays over time and will eventually cease functioning, right? We all know that. Our mind is also our soul. It's our will. It's our emotions. This is the part where we think and feel, and it is where we plan, we organize the part of us that stays focused or gets distracted. Um, our soul can be energized or discouraged. How many of you have been discouraged lately? I know I have. This is where we form words to communicate with others also. It is where our personality comes to life. It is where our soul be can become anxious or our soul can be at peace. And it's where we worry about things or we meditate on good things. Now, our spirit, we are all created as spiritual beings because part of God is spirit, right? We are fashioned after him. What is he? He's, he, he's the, the soul, the spirit, and the body. The body, of course, is Jesus, the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the soul, the mind. And so God has fashioned us just like him. Of course, we're far less than him, of course, but nonetheless, we also have a spirit within us. It is our spirit and that the spirit of God comes to reside within us. 
Our spirit comes alive when we receive Christ as our savior. We once were dead in our trespasses and sins, right? But then we're made alive when we receive Christ. And we're finally connected to the power source when we do that. The Bible teaches us that we now have the Holy Spirit helping us to shine that light to others. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 tells us, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? <clears throat> that means he's residing in, the, in our bodies who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So together, spirit, mind, and body. That's what we're going to look at. When we put these all together, we begin to see that the very center of our being, our spirit, is, is our spirit and surrounded by our mind. So I know that sounds like a lot of, you know, kind of spiritual stuff, but we'll unwrap all of this. But see, the whole package resides in these earthly bodies that we have today. So <clears throat> it is our spirit and our soul that is immortal and will live forever, right? But in the meantime, as believers, we're in the process of renewing our minds and transforming our souls so that they line up more and more to the image of Jesus because that's who we want to look like, don't we? We want to be more like Jesus because in that we have life. And the only way to do that is to surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Find out everything you can know about him in his word. And then let the Holy Spirit do its thing. It takes all of that that you pour into your own well-being by reading his word, by praying. And then the Holy Spirit ministers to you and he transforms you. It's pretty amazing when you think about it. Uh, I know I'm not the same person I was five years ago. I'm completely different. If I read study notes from, my goodness, 10 years ago, it's like a stranger wrote them. I am not the same person. And it's not because I forgot, it's because I've changed. I am not the same person I was 10 years ago, not the same person I was 20 years ago. Now that's a real, uh, that's a real surprise. I'm going, who could have wrote this? But those of you that journal, you probably have the same thing. If you go back to like when you were a new believer, you say, wow, I am not the same person today that I was back then. That's because the Holy Spirit may be slower than you would like, but the Holy Spirit is constantly changing you, and that's a promise that he gives us. He will always change you. But because your spirit, if you put your spirit in the right place, the mind and the body follow suit. But how do we do that? Well, how do we let Jesus shine in your spirit? Well, in speaking to the Jews, Paul says of the, the Jewish people and actually any other non-believers, he says, but the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. Let's pause there for a moment. I kind of liken this, you know, when you're wearing, uh, those of you who were married, when I got married, you know, back then, the big deal was having the veil over your face. I hated it because I couldn't see very well. 
Anybody else have that problem if you're wearing a veil over your face, right? And I don't know how people do it today. I mean, sometimes they get pretty elaborate. But I couldn't see it. I was afraid I was going to trip. And of course, you know, that would be embarrassing. But I survived it, and that was like 45 years ago. But anyway, I kind of liken it to that. I couldn't see very well because the veil was covering my face. It says, and this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It's like it is pulled off. You can see clearly now. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. Isn't that appropriate? We're in July. We just had the 4th of July. Everybody's talking about the freedoms we have here in this country. True freedom is from Jesus. That is the true freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That's a promise, ladies. That is promised to us. When we turn to the Lord, and or in other words, receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it's then that we believe in him and receive that gift of salvation. And then his Holy Spirit comes and resides in your heart. And he begins to do that transformation. And now our spirit is alive. The blinders are off. And we can now let the spirit of God shine in our lives. Even if it's just a small spark, that spark grows, doesn't it? It grows and grows. And then people will begin to notice that you have a new countenance about you, a new spark, a new light. And our spirit can now have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. But what does that look like on the practical level? How do we walk in the spirit? Well, Jeff and I like to take walks. We usually we're walking with our uh, two little dogs. Well, one little dog, one big dog now. And, uh, you know, when we're walking, we're side by side. We're going the same place. But we wouldn't be walking together if he decided to go a different route, right? And sometimes that's what we do. We're supposed to be walking with the Spirit, but sometimes we want to take a different route, maybe the shorter one, the easier one, or something like that. So we are no longer walking together. It's the same way when you are walking with the Holy Spirit. If you decide to take a detour, that's when things get difficult for you. Galatians 5.16 through 17 tells us, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. That'd be good. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. You kind of get in the gist of this? These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your own good intentions. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. That's what one of the Proverbs tells us. But you see the directive here? Let the Holy Spirit guide you. You remember what the Holy Spirit said about 
excuse me, what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to send you a helper. That's what he's for. The Holy Spirit is there to help us in this thing called the Christian walk, the life of a believer. He is our helper. He's there to guide you. And that's where we get the phrase, walking in the Spirit. You're walking with him. You have the same, you're going the same direction. You have the same goal. There are three simple things that help you walk in the Spirit, and they're found in Psalms 1830. Oh, I'm having trouble. There we go. My clicker thing doesn't work. I know, I'm, I'm lost without my clicker thingy. Just so you know, so I'm having to swipe. I'm going, what is with the swipe? I have to have my clicker. Oh, yeah, sorry. Was I just blowing through all my scriptures? <laughs> all right, Galatians 5.16 for your notes. And the one before was 2 Corinthians 3.14. There. All right, Psalms 18.30. I'll try to do better at this swiping thing. It says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. So our first step is recognize that God knows best, not you, <laughs> which is really hard for me to, uh, I, I always think I know best, but that's just me. Um, but his ways are perfect. Why wouldn't you want to follow a perfect way? It says here, his ways are perfect. So do it God's way. Save yourself a lot of grief. You see, God is all-knowing. He knows the future, and he knows you intimately. He created you. He knows exactly what you can do, what you can't do, and he will give you those desires of your heart if you are walking in the Spirit. And because of that knowledge, he knows what's best for you in the long run. But that is such a hard concept for us, isn't it? Sometimes we are so stubborn. It's like, oh, I, I can fix this, God. I've got it. And most of the time we really don't, do we? But sometimes it might seem right at the moment, but God knows what's best in the future. His way is perfect. Step two, God's word is proven. It is true. Everything you read in your Bibles is true. It is our guide for life. It is not enough just to have head knowledge of the Bible. We need, must put that knowledge into practice. We need to believe that what is being spoken of here is from the God of the universe, and that it's there for our own good. It's not just a list of, of do's and don'ts. It's actually there for us to instruct us, to give us peace in our lives, victorious uh, uh, peace in our lives. So anyway, this God's spirit is going to lead you to do what is in his word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 tells us, all scripture, listen to this ladies, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, ouch, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So of course, there may be times that you may be called to do that things that are a little uncomfortable and it might stretch your faith. 
But that's part of being in that spirit-filled life. I get stretched all the time, but you know what? It's in that stretching that I grow. And God is faithful, and he is always there to give me whatever I need to do whatever he has called. See, a victorious Christian is one who walks daily with the Holy Spirit and obeys his word. Step three, trust in God who is trustworthy. I say it a lot in this room. If you don't trust God, it's because you don't know him. And I'm not talking about your salvation experience. I'm talking about you don't know his, his personality. And you get that from the word of God. I, whenever I'm going through a uh, crisis of faith, so to speak, I will go to the gospels and I will fall in love with Jesus all over again. I go, how could I forget that Oh, you're so loving, so patient, so kind. And I would encourage you to do that. If you are having trouble trusting God, go to his gospels and learn more about Jesus. It really will help you. And you'll say, oh, I've read the gospels over and over again. Well, you know what? If you're having trouble with faith, you need to read it again. So it really does help. But the key to walking in the spirit is trusting in him. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. You see, we cannot rely on our own understanding. Every day we must trust that we are hearing from the Lord through his word and through prayer. And the Holy Spirit will also speak into your lives. He will be there guiding you. It's promised to us. So shining God's spirit in our spirit is done by understanding these principles. Knowing that God is, is always perfect. His ways are perfect. He knows best. We can trust him. God's word is essential. And we need to do what it says and get to know your heavenly father. And as you read the word and get to know him more, you will begin to lean on him more and not lean on your own understanding. So a healthy spirit-filled life helps keep your mind and your soul from faltering. So that takes us to our next one. Let Jesus shine in your mind. Now this is where it gets a little bit trickier. See, letting Jesus shine your light, his light in through your mind, of course, this is... Uh, just our, our countenance. This is our personalities. And we must be careful not to look like the world because if we look just like the world, people will not be able to see our shine. Romans 12.2 says, And do not be conformed or look to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what does conformed mean? To behave according to the socially acceptable standards of the world. Hmm, I'm not sure I want to do that. To be transformed is to make a thorough or dramatic change in the form of parents or character. Isn't that what happens to the believer? Don't you change? So let's put this together. We are not to behave according to the socially accepted standard of this world, but instead make a dramatic change in our own character. 
This is what is expected of us when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. He's also our Lord. He has died for you. We now belong to him. And we now have the Holy Spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit is within us. So you might be saying, well, that's all well and good, but what does this mean on a practical level? I am a very pragmatic person. Everything has to be practical for me. So I have to, okay, how do I apply this? Okay, I'm game. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to have my light shine. How do I do that? Well, the hardest thing for Christians to do in this world is to not look like the world. We like to copy it, don't we? It is so hard. Remember, our brains, our minds are a computer. Oftentimes, Pastor Jeff will say, this is a meat computer. To me, that kind of sounds a little gross. You know, typical guy thing. But, you know, it really is a computer. If we put garbage in, guess what comes out? Garbage. For example, we are constantly bombarded by TV shows, aren't we? And they always seem to go against what the Bible says. It seems to uh, show a lot of sin on TV. They show little clips of them, and they might look at enticing, you know, these reality shows. Now, I don't really understand why they call them reality shows. Any, <laughs> uh, let's, you know they're all staged, right? I mean, what lady wakes up with her makeup perfect? I mean, really? But the world, (laughs) it says reality. This is what it's supposed to mean. The world or state of, of things as they actually exist. I mean, really, does this actually exist? It's all staged. It's all actors. It's there to entice you. They want you to watch. But I would say these shows are anything but reality. But we are drawn to them like a moth to flame, aren't we? Now, at this time, you're probably thinking, hey, man, don't judge me. I'm not judging you, okay? (laughs) You know, sometimes you say, oh, you know what? I need a little downtime, and it helps me relax. I once had a lady try to convince me that she was justified in watching that show Lucifer and that it wasn't a big deal. Okay, yeah, check out this thing. Um, She says, it's all in fun. And then she went on to describe all the honorable attributes of Lucifer as portrayed on the show. I mean, he's good looking, he speaks with a British accent, and of course, he only gets after the bad guys, right? But is it really all just fun? I mean, what's the harm in watching shows like this? I mean, let's face it, they're carnal shows. Well, what does 1 John 2, 15 and 16 tell us? Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. Ooh, ouch. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. Yeah, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. You know, apparently 2,000 years ago, we were just the same. Because isn't that describing exactly what goes on today on TV? So let's look at this again. It first says, do not love the world. 
Is it talking about people? Of course not. It's talking about world systems and enticements. Therefore, when you open the door of your mind to entertain those things which go against God's word, then you can set yourself up for a fall. Let's take our reality shows. Well, most of them are based on sex and relationships, right? Who's sleeping with who? Let's be honest. That makes us compare our marriages, our, other, our relationships, or gives us a skewed idea of marriage and relationships. Our minds entertain the, wow, I wish my husband looked like that, or I wish my uh, husband acted like that. Uh, be careful because that kind of thinking will make you dissatisfied with what God has blessed you with. This can also come in forms of uh, reading material, so be careful. Guard your, your mind, what you are reading. Romance novels can get pretty um, raw, and porn comes in many forms, doesn't it? I mean, you have to be careful on Instagram. If you go down to the reels and you just start scrolling, scrolling through, you know, most of the time it's cute puppy and kitten videos and interesting things, but every once in a while it's something really disgusting. So you have to really guard your, your mind because we can just feed this stuff in and it really has no redeeming quality. Uh, let's take our uh, Mr. Lucifer here. Guess what? Season six is coming out. Look what they've called it. Isn't that amazing? 666. It's like, how is this popular in today's society? I mean, this is scary stuff. But if your view of him is what you see on TV, and the next time you're reading in God's word about Lucifer or the devil or Satan, you're going, oh, you know, where does your mind go? Oh, to this good-looking guy, you know who actually is kind of, you know, he's, he's doing good in his badness. I mean, it's really skewed. I mean, it's crazy stuff. I mean, you can't make this up. But this is where our society is going gradually, gradually. Now, I'm not going to tell you what to read or what to watch. I'm just telling you, you need to be careful. Because if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, and you're clicking through the channels and you see something like this and you begin to watch it, you get yourself hooked. And then you'll, you'll hear your, your, your flesh saying, wow, this is kind of a fun show, isn't it? It's how it happens. Let's get rid of that one. All right. First Corinthians 10.13 tells us the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Now, there's a good promise. This is one of my favorites. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Did you hear that? He will show you a way out so you can endure. Look for that way out. Keep the, the, the remote going. Don't stop. You know, wait until you get to, you know, the National Geographic on hiking Switzerland or something. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's what we have to do. I mean, we wouldn't want our husbands or boyfriends or, you know, other, you know, our, our sons watching that kind of stuff. So guard your mind. It can get you into trouble. Don't let your mind be filled up with garbage. 
because then you won't have any room for the good stuff, the godly stuff. Philippians 4, 8 and 9 tells us, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, this is the good stuff, ladies, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Trust me when I say, when we watch garbage, when we allow garbage to go into our mind, it does not bring us peace. It robs us of our peace. A good way to find out if you're on the right track is to check your thoughts with Scripture. How does it line up with Scripture? Here's my favorite. If Jesus was sitting on the couch next to you, would you be watching it? Or would you be a little embarrassed? There's a heart check, isn't it? And this gives, uh, brings us to the last part of our being, and that is our bodies. Let Jesus shine with our bodies. How do we do that? And now we're not talking about how we look. We're not talking about the aura, like my little New Ager thought. We're talking about our actions, those things which we do physically. Because the Holy Spirit is now coexisting with our spirit, guiding in direction, excuse me, guiding and directing, our job is to listen and respond, and respond physically. And instead of putting garbage in our mind, put in the good stuff. It makes a difference. The other day, I heard a secular song, and it was a beautiful song. I really liked it. But for some reason, it stuck in my head. It had a melody, and it just replayed in my head. I mean, there was nothing evil about the song. It was just a secular song. So, you know, I didn't feel like I was in sin, but it just struck me as this thing kept replaying in my head, the melody. You know how things, those of you who are musicians, you know how that is. Sometimes you just, you sing it over and over and over in your head. Well, I'm going, too bad that isn't a psalm or too bad that isn't a worship song. You know, that would have been so much better than having that secular song playing in my head. So be careful what you put in there. You see, our body is simply acting out what is going on in your mind. Romans 5, excuse me, Romans 8, 5 through 7 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. You see how that works? To set the mind on flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. I think I like that better. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. That's scary, isn't it? That's pretty heavy stuff. So to summarize... If we li live to please our minds, we live to please our bodies. If we live to, it, but if we set our mind on being like Jesus, then we will have life and peace. That's the promise here. And our bodies will reflect that. However, on a practical level, you know, me and my pragmatic uh, personality here, how do we reflect Jesus with our bodies? Well, God calls us to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And 
An ambassador or diplomat is supposed to be a representative of the one who sent them. So do you look at yourself as being an ambassador? When the president sends an ambassador to a foreign country, he, that ambassador is supposed to do whatever the president tells him to do. He's supposed to be a, a voice for the president. Likewise, when we go out into the world, this is how we're, we're reflecting Jesus in our lives and people are able to see us in a physical sense reflecting Jesus, then that is by reflecting his personality, his desires, his wishes. What are his attributes? There are many, but number one, what is that love? Do we love others? That is one way of reflecting Jesus with our body, is by loving and caring for people. People see that, they respond to that. Everything we say and do should represent Jesus. Remember the uh, acronym WWJD? It kind of goes with our theme here of, you know, I, I, I loved this. I was told, I was trying to figure out the theme for uh, our summer session, and I was talking to my kids, and my daughter-in-law happens to be the artist. She's the one that did this. And she says, well, you know, the 60s theme is really popular right now. And I'm going, hey, I lived through it, you know. I used to wear bell bottoms. I remember a pair of, I'm going off track a little bit here, but I remember wearing a pair of, bell bottoms in junior high that were chartreuse or you know lime green and they had these big old white flowers and then they had they were like tight and then they had these huge bells at the bottom I mean those bells must have been like this (laughs) love those pair of pants but see I lived through this but another thing that they used to do there is the WWJ dude what would Jesus do well, it eventually became unpopular when we all found out how, how hard that was to actually do. But it is a good standard to follow, good standard to live by. When faced with a decision, we should ask ourselves, would Jesus say that? Would Jesus act that way? Would Jesus approve of that outfit? Would Jesus eat that or drink that? Would Jesus watch that? You see, if you are a child of God and Jesus is your Savior and Lord, then you should be concerned about what Jesus would want. And the payoff? I mean, this whole thing sounds pretty difficult, doesn't it? Well, the payoff is the blessings we can expect if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and we are promised peace in our lives. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Who doesn't want that? Don't we all long for peace? So let's recap what we have studied. We are made of three parts, spirit, mind, and body. Our spirit came alive when we believed in Jesus Christ. And at that time, the blinders came off, the veil came off, and our mind is now being renewed and transformed into the image of Christ. And the progress of that transformation depends on how much we surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I kind of think of it as two animals. Whichever one you feed the most is going to be the strongest, isn't it? And then your body is a representation of which one is being fed the most. 
Why is that? Because your body is controlled by your mind. Remember that. So, but don't be discouraged. By this time um, in preparing this study, I was getting a little discouraged. Uh, everything sounds very convincing, but so hard to accomplish, isn't it? Well, I want to be like Jesus. I want to act like Jesus. I want to have the discipline to turn off a show or stop reading a book. But sometimes I fail at this. We all fail at this. It seems like there's that constant battle between my old nature and my new life in Christ. We all have this problem, but Paul, the writer of much of the New Testament, he says he struggled with this very thing. Romans 7, 15 through 25. I love, I'm not going to read the whole thing just for the sake of time, but he says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that I am doing what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not one doing wrong. It is sin. He says, I am doing wrong. You see, Paul had the same problem. He says, I struggled with my flesh also. And then at the end of that, he says, thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, my Lord. He goes on to say, I struggle with this, I struggle with that, but thank God Jesus Christ is my Lord. Anyone else feel that way? I know I do at times. But what is the answer? Jesus will free us from this life dominated by our flesh, sin, all that. Jesus has done all the work for you. Because we have the Holy Spirit living in us, we don't have to be dominated by our sin nature anymore. And I know I've given you a lot to think about, but I want to leave you equipped so you leave here in victory. So I'm going to give you one last scripture, and it's amazing. It's found in Ephesians, and I'm going to do a shameless plug for the ladies' study. We're going to be doing um, Ephesians in the fall. So uh, it's one of my favorite books. So um, uh, like I said, it was a shameless plug. So come out in September. All right, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, it says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, yes, I was, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is at he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Okay, we're talking about Lucifer here. Doesn't quite sound like the cute guy on the show, is it? All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we are subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Okay, but here it comes. But God, but God, whenever you see that, but God, it is one of the best words in the Bible, who is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages, ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. 
God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good works we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So God is rich in mercy. He's also very rich in grace. And this is the God that we serve. So don't ever be discouraged. Go back, read Ephesians if you do. And if you are having trouble with trusting, what do you do? Go back to the Gospels, amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word. There's so much to take in. And I would ask that as each one of these ladies goes home and they meditate about all these scriptures that we have read, that they would understand that this is for our benefit. You gave us your word to give us life and to show us how to have a victorious life in you. So help us to let our lives shine for you, Lord, in everything we do and to have the, uh, the discipline to continue that. So we love you, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name.